Hello everyone, welcome to Mythic Morons, episode 5, a monumental episode. I'm Chaney. And I'm Sid. Welcome guys, welcome. Chaney, how you been doing, man? I have been doing good. I've been chilling out. I haven't really looked into anything that deeply. I've uh, been watching some garbage TV on Amazon, which includes the likes of Hell's Kitchen, which is fucking fantastic. And I'm so glad all the seasons are on Amazon because, like, I forgot how much I missed, like, garbage reality TV. Yeah, that's huge. I didn't even know that they got the whole, like, bingeability of Hell's Kitchen now on Amazon Prime. That's insane. I thought they only had season one, but no, they got they got a lot. They got, yeah. I don't know how many seasons they have, but they have a lot of them, and it's actually just so fun, and it actually gets my heart, ra- heart racing when we're, we're, in the, when we're in the elimination part of the end of the episode. <laughs> I'm like, what's going to happen? Yeah, you've you know. you've made a connection with the with the uh, with the contestants at that point. You're you're just going, you're going on fucking repeat at that point, right? Yeah, it's like I knew I missed garbage reality TV quite mm-hmm. a bit, and I don't know what came over me, but I decided to watch that Netflix reality TV show Too Hot to Handle because they were too promoting the shit out of it. What's that Was one? It too on? hot what? to handle. Is that a cook? Uh, is that another cooking one? Oh wait, no. It's like I hope it's that. That's that reality show that got pretty big. It's about a bunch of hot people going to an island and they're not allowed to fuck. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that is too hot to handle. Yeah. So. Yep. I was like, they promoted the shit out of that, and I ended up yep. watching it. I was like, fine, fuck you, Netflix. I'll watch it, and I did, <laughs> and I loved it. I was like, I don't know why I love this, but I do. But then I remembered growing up, I was like, dude, I'd stay up late all night and watch Jersey Shore. Yeah, I was just about to say, that reminds me a bit of Jersey Shore. But that's that's kind of like the nature of those reality shows. It's like a guilty pleasure, you know? I it remember, really, really is. I, like, I don't know why. It's just like, it's, you can just, I just like laughing at the people. Maybe that's just me. Well, that's a big part of it. You're like, how stu- Like, I remember having to like, not... Uh, like I couldn't tell my parents I was watching Jersey Shore because it was maybe R-rated, quote unquote, or whatever for TV or like whatever. I was like grade eight or something at the time. Oh, I was watching for JWoww for sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I remember thinking like it's it's not even like the stuff they're doing is that bad. It's just that we shouldn't be exposed to these kind of people for too long. You know, it's like it's good on a one night a ba- day basis. So I can't even imagine like binging a show top to bottom and just you know like living with those people for that amount of time like that seems like a bit too much yeah i had a full 24 hours of too hot to handle and it yeah. w- was too much but it did kind of motivate me to get in better shape so <laughs> there's that um and then yeah i just saw hell's kitchen i was like fuck it i'll watch the first season might as well and then i got told well no more seasons on there i was like okay well i guess i'm watching season two three I think I almost got through four seasons. Holy fuck. And those are long episodes, no? Those are no, usually they're like... No, they're only... Tw- like, the finales are an hour, but the... Right. The, they're the usually 20-minute sh- episodes? Yeah, 20 to 30-minute episodes. Okay. Super bingeable. Super fucking awesome. I never yeah. get tired of Gordon Ramsay. How fucking could you? He's the best. And it's so fun, because, like, I would watch... I don't know about you, but I'd watch, like, Gordon Ramsay videos at 3 a.m., Dude, we used to watch we used to watch Gordon Ramsay videos back at school, remember? We used to hang out and just like get super baked and first like kind of funny videos we'd put on YouTube were the the uh kitchen nightmares or 
Gordon Ramsay snapping on the contestants yeah, on Kitchen exactly. uh, on Hell's Kitchen. So yeah. fun! It's it's so funny going back and watching the show yeah. and like seeing all the funny shit that we used to fucking die at just come up randomly. It's like, yeah. oh, so season two, episode six is when this happens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You yeah. get the whole episode instead of just that one clip. You see that stupid contestant from beginning to end. Yeah, yeah. So I was, I was, I just remember. I don't, I don't actually remember what episode it was, but I just remember mm-hmm. dying on the couch when he when like the lamb sauce thing came up. Like it came out of nowhere. Like these these videos I've been watching for years and laughing my ass off on YouTube for years are just coming up out of nowhere while I'm watching the show, mm-hmm. and it just heightens the show on top of how good it actually already is. And it's such a time capsule. This show particularly in the culture of the early two thousands. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Holy shit. I never realized like how distinct the early two thousands was until I started watching the show. You kind of forget about that era, that life, no, there's life a, that happened. There's a lot of those there. iconic, iconic things. And not even just the show, but Gordon Ramsay is like an icon of that era now. That It's crazy how he's like, he's made it still into this new, sorry, like digital era of like YouTube and social media. Like you're still able to kind of keep up with him in that way. Like I, I always watch his cooking videos still even nowadays. And those like bite-sized kitchen nightmare videos or house kitchen and stuff like that. But it's like even when we're talking about like things that are timeless or things that are iconic of those times, like you're right. Hell's Kitchen is you can watch that right from the opening or the establishing shots. You you just get brought back to like your childhood or like or after dinner time, like if you were watching that with your parents, like, you know, those very specific household memories are kind of tied with it. I just remember like one episode, the the winning team got to go out on a boat mm. and I just looked at the sunglasses they were wearing. I was like, oh, <laughs> my like no one would wear these nowadays no one's wearing yeah. denim no one's yeah. well actually denim's making a comeback but like no one's wearing sparkly denim denim no one has frosted tips and it's all there right you got the white guys with the fucking sideways hats and mm-hmm. their pants halfway down their ass mm-hmm. right holy completely- fuck i gotta rewatch this like now now i'm getting nostalgic for fucking early 2000s shows honestly like honestly rewatch it because it's actually it's really easy it's like so bingeable yeah you just want to like chill out don't need something to think about just watch you just want to hear yeah you just want to hear him yell at people to the top of his lungs yeah and it's all there and it's fantastic so there's that he's a a really funny guy gordon ramsay like think about how what's the other show he does um master chef where he's like master chef too yeah and he just turns that end like that energy on and off like if it's a dial like he goes from like raging hot to fucking simmer you know just how he critiques people or how he just talks to people like i don't know he's so like people don't people don't see him as a dick people see him as just like gordon ramsay like that's who he is you know just right. like he he gave a reason why he's so like you can tell like on master chef he's more chill yeah than on hell's kitchen and he's like there's a reason for that because on master chef these are amateur people there's like home cooks coming to see if True, they can yeah right He's like, in Hell's Kitchen, when these people come in, these are professional people that have been working in the industry. So his standards are higher because you're working in the industry and you have to live up to what he thinks are the minimum standards for food service. Yeah. Well, if you're going to run your the, restaurant, then then there is a standard. And that's, yeah, that's his standard. Yeah. You got to, you fucking respect the hell out of him for that. Yeah. Like, yeah. So. What else um, you been watching? How do you, how do you detox from binging so much reality shows? Uh, I actually watched really funny show 
called Parks and Recreation. Oh yeah, more of that, eh? Yeah, I fucking it's great. It's great. I just it's I have it on the background, mm-hmm. but every time I actually do pay attention, I laugh. It's just a funny show. Andy is probably like one of my favorite characters on TV right now. Just watching Andy Twire, played by Chris Pratt, before he got, you know, more fit and famous. Yeah. So, it's like there's like real. It, it's equivalent to The Office because yeah, there's like it's satire on, um, on the American society, and it's like a it's a microcosm of that, and it works around that. But there's still like character growth and like. It's great that way because you sort of see characters change over time from, you know, what they initially were and see how the the showrunners can sort of realize their potential and then carry through with that in later seasons. So it's, how many it's really seasons? Great. How many seasons is Parks and Rec? Oh, I haven't checked. I've just been lazily watching through. I think it doesn't have that many, though. It's not. not yeah, many. it's not. I don't think it's as um, long running as The Office, mm-hmm. right? Like it. Or no, it's, it wasn't. Or, yeah, I, oh yeah, I was thinking about Arrested Development for a second because that's a show that has ridiculously long. Um, it's a lot like it's still going on. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Arrested Development was another similar show. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off with just throwing in another show there, but those three shows, like I feel like, are very very similar in tone and in in um, thematically and just like how they're made and that type of humor and stuff. Um, so like that kind of says something even like about the type of shows people like to watch or like the type of humor that is now popular, you know, like, or, or was popular because those are relatively old shows at this point. You know, the, all three of those shows must've started what, like 10 years ago, over 10 years ago. Yeah. Here's the thing about parks and rec, um, that I think one recent show failed at. We, we cut the conversation last time, but we talked a little bit about space force. Mm -hmm. Um, Parks and Rec does a great job at creating that microcosm of American society within one workplace. So there's every there's somebody to relate to, no matter what point of view you're coming from, mm-hmm. because the the entirety of the American society is like being paradised within this show. Yeah. Whereas a show like Space Force is very much catered towards one set of group of people, and I think that's where Space Force fails and shows like The Office and Parks and Rec sort of succeed. Yeah. Well, if we're, yeah, like I haven't seen Parks and Rec, but I'll kind of compare from the arguing from like the side of The Office almost like there's those archetypes that those characters represent, like in a, if we're talking like as American society, kind of how it works. And, you know, you have like the leader who's the ignorant kind of arrogant guy who is Michael Scott. And would you say there's like in Parks and Rec, the equivalent character to Michael Scott in that or? something kind of similar yeah exactly like the lead character is and not incompetent but like you know what i mean it's like oh it's hard it's like a hillary clinton type like they went they went the opposite way they went the opposite way i see yeah Yeah. right so um but there is still a michael scott type character in Mm -hmm. there somewhere like the incompetent right and then there's everybody there's like yeah there's an exaggeration of everybody within American society in Parks and Rec. Yeah. Whereas Space Force, I think, is it's more specific to a time rather than a culture. 
It'll right? be anchored in 2020 very yes. hard. Yeah, like that, if if we watch Space Force 5 to 10 years from now, it's going to be such a reminder of like between 2016 to 2020, like this just kind of small pocket of time that I don't know like how, you know, it might be funny just to look back at like what a fucked up time this is, but you know, like it's not a reflection on people as much as just the circumstances you know or like yeah like it is like space force i I guess the reason i kind of like space force is that it's satirizing or it's like i don't even know if it's a satire more of a parody it's more paradizing what life is today and like the leaders of the world today the people who are in charge quote unquote making the shots calling the calls you know um whereas like shows like parks and record the office when they came out it was the household environment like these were more low-key concepts or more you know less serious more easygoing kind of things you could laugh with things you could joke with but now it's like i don't know it's a bit different that kind of that humor where it's it's getting based off is a little more different yeah i just um i think i'd rather have the show owners of space force have a little more foresight Mm. into like like the show, I don't know. It, it, I don't know if it'll be as cool as like looking at Hell's Kitchen as a time capsule, capsule because it's that's a totally different thing. Like I think looking it's totally at different. Reality, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know how well Space Force will hold up in even just two years because people are now even understanding what the actual Space Force is and mm-hmm. the parody of the Space Force they have in the show is so exaggerated. It's beyond like. Well, that's all it is. It's yeah. it's, it's a super politically exaggerated show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. It's like for the fan base of um, Trevor Noah and and Stephen Colbert. It's like, you know, the the type of people that are really in touch with those kind of, that humor Mm -hmm. of like just joking of of, uh, those kind of people in in, in politics and stuff. I think that's where that fits in. It's it's just, it's really niche, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's, I think that's, I think that's where I can't stand that because when I do consume media and I want, escapism i want to get the as far away from that as possible yeah because that's just every day all day that's all you get yeah so why would you want to consume media in your relaxing time that's just repeating what's being already said out there so yeah and that's what even when we were talking about the show like that was my same gripe with it it's like you can just turn on cnn it's like the exact same jokes essentially or or any other social media platform or whatever yeah but I've been Parks playing and Rec more. Doesn't do that. That's why. Yeah. Like, I don't even know how, how old is Parks and Rec. I don't even know how old it is. Let me let me because it still works. Quick. It still works today, and it's just yeah. Parks and Rec. Oh wow. Okay, that Parks and Rec started in two thousand nine and ended in two thousand twenty. So it oh. actually it went longer than um, uh, like it it went continued longer than The Office, I guess. In most in that case, but seven seasons. Yeah. Wow. Right, there is some things that age Parks and Rec, obviously, but I would have absolutely zero clue that it, this show started in 2009 when I started watching the early seasons. Mm. Whereas Space Force, it's like mm-hmm. very plainly obvious that yeah. it's just stamped in this right here. So, you know what? And and now that if like we take that concept and like or that idea into like the bigger scape of media, that's almost all media nowadays is at least trying to do that where it's like let's pick something trendy or something that is so culturally relevant that people will immediately be able to attach onto it or recognize it and and let's you know like blow that out of the water let's just keep doing that over and over again 
And then it's, as people move that's on, what, that's they what, move on from that. Yeah, but and that's why I think the quality of movies or TV shows nowadays just aren't as good as what they were 10 years ago or 15 years ago. You know, like, everybody says that, like, music was better, like, 10 years ago or whatever. Movies were better. But, like, it's kind of true that, like, it's almost like culture vultures. Like, people are just, they know what's trendy. They know what will sell. And the original ideas kind of get washed away with that. I wouldn't necessarily say it's better then. I think we have some nostalgia goggles on in that aspect. I think as time goes on, we filter out the bad stuff. So in 10 years from now, we're going to look back and we're going to be like, wow, there's some good stuff. Mm-hmm. And especially in this episode, like we just have to go out and look for it. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think it's, it, it gets harder to find those good stuff as time goes on, maybe kind of thing. It does and, get and, harder. And just but with like how, yeah. And just with like how like streaming is now and like how accessible movies are, or TV shows are now, like they're being produced at such a quantity nowadays that like, you're you're obviously going to run into more nonsense than quality. It's inevitable at that point. So I guess that's even what we're trying to do as a podcast, right? Like we're trying to kind of navigate those waters a little bit. Filter through, find some classics, find some good stuff to like celebrate. Exactly. In terms of, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Um, so other than those two TV shows, I've just been playing a lot of doom eternal i finally got around to playing that nice Um, did you just down did you just buy it or have you had it for a while bought it earlier this week i was planning on buying it for a while i just never had downtime to uh to actually go in and and play it Mm -hmm. um but it's um holy shit dude I was skeptical at first. Okay, so I played Doom twenty sixteen. Can you just talk about what kind of game is Doom for? I'm I'm not too like I just kind of got into Doom because of the new release. But what's the backstory of Doom? Uh, so Doom, if people don't know, Doom is probably one of the most important video games in history. The original Doom, I don't know when it came out, probably eighties nineties. Um, mm-hmm. it revolutionized the first person shooter. So it was like one of the first first person shooters. And it was a really big deal. Um, so as time went on, like Doom tried to stay relevant. They kind of just became Call of Duty clones. But, um, you know, that that's never like a good business model. So this first person shooter, this legendary first person shooter kind of just went on the wayside until 2016 where they decided to reboot the franchise again. But this time they really leaned into that classic arcade shooter vibe. Mm-hmm. just with updated graphics um, and performance graphics and all that. performance everything like yeah they just made a sandbox for you to play in to become a super soldier yeah right you like you're the protagonist like it's an arcade shooter it's very akin to halo it's like you embody looks, this super soldier yeah. and you just run through the campaign and you just feel it's a power trip right so um doom 2016 i played that earlier this year um that's a great game it, like you're you, you really embody this is what i love about games like this this is what i love about the early halo games it's like the protagonist doesn't talk it really allows you to assume the role of the super soldier so in this case the doom slayer that's his name that's the what a badass name what honestly, a badass character already you know just sounds oh my, sick you have no idea you have no idea and he How already fucking, like he looks iconic already um from just a a figure you know as a, as a hero like people call him the doom guy no 
That's the Doom same guy. guy. Doom guy was yeah. his original, like his original. He didn't have a name in the original games, so people just call him Doom guy. Right. Yeah, as you would. But in 2016, they wanted to up the ante, and they gave him the title of Doom Slayer, and they've added backstory to him, and like he's he's this mysterious super soldier that just that you sort of learn about through the game as you like collect notepads and you read through the lore. Um, there's super there's secrets throughout the level that you can find and it gives you extra information on enemies the location you're fighting in right it's a really well-crafted world mm-hmm. but there's also this incredible sandbox arcade shooter within it mm-hmm. you it get kind gives- of like call of duty zombie vibes almost but it seems like zombies might have been originated from doom or not originate like um what's the word inspired by doom yeah so like doom has different modes you there isn't I wouldn't necessarily say that because that's a zombie, that's a horde game, horde game. Okay. Play. So what what would what would Doom be? What Doom kind of, is kind of like a, a it's, it's a, a person versus paradise. everyone shooter. Like what kind of a shooter game is it? It's um, oh, it's it's hard to explain. It's because I know you're facing just mostly AI bots in that, right? Like, or, or unless yeah. you're doing like a co-op game mode or something there is multiplayer but yeah yeah. most of the fun that i have is through the campaign and through the arcade mode of the campaign at least in doom 2016 i haven't finished doom eternal yet but um what i can say about the game is that it's easy entry Mm -hmm. extremely hard to master okay there's so many mechanics within this game that that's the fun of it it's learning how to um, build and, and learn about these mechanics then incorporating them into the gameplay to where you do like it's like looking for combos in a fighting right. game except yeah right and um, they incorporate that into like as in the campaign you just play through the campaign to get the story but then you can go back to the campaign and play in arcade mode where there's different points and you get more points for doing more difficult kills and having combos and like playing the game better and that's where the fun comes from and then you can up the difficulty and so on and so forth it's an arcade shooter you just play and play and play and go for higher scores and try to increase the difficulty until you obtain mastery and it's very difficult to master doom 2016 was a big step up yeah it really brought arcade shooters back into the fray so you have yeah before there wasn't much like that wasn't a very popular genre at least nowadays right uh mainstream wise Right, it's it it took a back. It went back to like the early formula of early two thousands first person shooters. Because yeah. first person shooters at the time, it's all about like mobility suits and wall running and jetpacks, exoskeletons, and, yeah, all that kind of stuff. And aim yeah. down sights. Like yeah. this, this game, there's no sprint. You have a double jump. It's very arcadey. You have a double jump, and you have eight weapons. And you eight can weapons flip. in your loadout that you can like switch through. You at can all just times. switch through. At all oh, times, wow. you are a walking arsenal. That's sick, bro. Right? And each one of your weapons has two different firing modes, depending on what at- attachment you put on. And you can switch through attachments. So you technically have... On the fly. You can on just the fly. customize your loadout on the fly. Whoa. Right. And then you, then you can get perks and stuff yeah. and armor yeah. abilities to be able to like aim down, aim down sights faster, throw grenades faster. Yeah. Switch so everything's in the faster. moment. Everything's in the flow of just trying to get better kills, better combos, better loadout, all kind of cycling through. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's about like finding. It's a it's a flow state game. You have to yeah, find yeah. that flow state. Good and way of get putting into it. The groove. Yeah. yeah. So like, you can't 
you you have to focus you have to make decisions mm-hmm. on the fly but the game becomes so addicting when you can just shut your brain off and then you you're in the zone you just start doing things and yeah. you start doing badass things yeah like muscle memory just takes over and you just you know what these this control is you know what the game is and i love games like that that just that are you know you said it perfectly that are arcadey and you know like brings you back to that little kid thing where your fingers are moving so fast and you're just going going like it's it's that's such a good feeling i know exactly what you're talking about right um another thing that adds this game like the music fucking slaps (laughs) i heard that yeah Mick Gordon, the guy who did the music for this game, mm-hmm. legend, absolute legend. He made a genre. He like made this techno metal, and it's just <laughs> I don't even know where to. You can't describe Mick Gordon to anybody. You just have to have them listen to him, right? And he's on Spotify. The Doom soundtrack is on Spotify, and I use yeah. it to work out because really. It's well, like, that sounds like exactly what you would need to work out heavy metal and what you just said. Like it's not even like, heavy metal. Or techno I don't even know or, how to describe. I have no, no idea what genre. This is this is beyond metal. This is evolution. This is <laughs> it's amazing, right? So then here comes Jesus, Doom Eternal. Man. This sounds like a fucking like a steroid, uh, just injection of a video game. Like, it is. It is eighties masculinity pumped in and yeah. fucking just. Times ten. Crank to eleven. Yeah, crank exactly. To 11. It's yeah, like they were able to just. I don't know how. They, I don't know how they were able to do this. Like the the vision is so clear, and the and within like how they wanted to present it, this game and the art style and the music and everything, it just comes together so beautifully. That's dope. It looks like a very beautiful game. I, I was it is. you were talking oh. about this uh, a while ago, and I I watched a YouTube video about it last that night actually, um and it. It looks uh, experience-wise exactly like you said. An arcade shooter, a very, um, you know, not Call of Duty at all. I guess like the closest thing you could describe it to is Halo in a sense, but still like it's it's got its own vibe. Like it's got its own very unique There's nothing mysticism like and world building to it. So you said you were talking about world building that. So it has a campaign, and how does that? How does it kind of bring you into the campaign? You're playing as Doom guy, and and what does it kind of take you on a journey of? So in Doom 2016, you play as Doom guy. His tomb was uncovered out of hell, and then someone opened a portal from mm-hmm. hell onto Mars, and you're on Mars, and you're trying to shut that hell portal, kill the demons, and then get back to Earth. Um, yeah. <laughs> so completely like nothing makes sense it's just like just go with it this is just fucking awesome just start shooting these fuckers and yeah. exactly listen to this awesome music and yeah take your shotgun time. and shoot this demon in the face and it's yeah. fun so uh, and it's That's really cool. fun so um, Doom Eternal comes in and now he's back on earth but now there's hell on earth and he's trying to contain hell on earth and that's your, just your mission and that's that's where the level design out of Doom Eternal, I think, is a fan- is, is, is big step up from 2016. Because 2016, mm-hmm. you're in one facility on Mars. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, like, yeah, they have they have a lot of diversity within their level designs and the set pieces and everything. But there's only so much you can do. Now they have the world. Mm-hmm. They have the world for the Doom Slayer to go in. And, like, you're in a metropolis or you're in the Arctic 
or you're in this old temple. Yeah. Um, and I was, when I was watching that video, there was something cool about seeing, and I couldn't really figure that out. Like, what is this? There's like this earth architecture kind of like, you know, recognizable, a rec somewhat recognizable world. And then just like pumped up with aliens or these very just like, what the fuck, like different things going on, you know? like blue sky red sky and like i don't know like just a bit, it's like yeah like hell on earth like another dimension like crashed into it so i couldn't figure out what this story was but that's like something i never i've never seen in a video game that kind of uh that setting that kind of uh everything yeah looks it's not dope. necessarily like a narrative it's not a good narrative right, right but it has enough of a story that you're kind of you're going from A to B with it, right? Right, but it's not the primary motivator to play the game. The primary motivator to play the game is the gameplay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The opposite of The Last of Us 2. <laughs> That's funny that you brought up The Last of Us 2. Yeah. Okay. I'm not, yeah. it's not even, but um, <laughs> Doom Eternal steps things up, I thought, a little too much at first, right? Jumping back into Doom after not playing it for a couple months, they added even more mechanics i don't like now you have a grenade you have two different types of grenades and now you uh it's it's so complicated right they added so many new mechanics so many new things to to work out and try to keep in the back of your mind while you're trying to get into these flow states when you get into these big arcadey rooms and you're trying to kill as many de demons as as quickly as possible so I was really iffy on it at first. Um, yeah, it didn't. It, it didn't get the greatest reviews, did it? When it came out, it got really good reviews, but did it? Okay. Um, I didn't. I didn't hear about it. I feel like a lot. Like I heard about. I saw it on the PlayStation Store when it came out, and I, you know, a couple ads on YouTube or whatever. But it wasn't getting that kind of recognition of like a really big AAA game. You know, like a really big title. That might just be because like arcade as a genre isn't as big anymore, but. You know, that's it's 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 a triple A quality game. It took four years to make from a triple A studio, Bethesda. Yeah, it's just still a niche market, I guess. Yeah. So like people yeah. who know, they know, and they're they buying would know. This, yeah, right? yeah. Halo fans are buying this, right? Doom fans are buying this, but that's about it. Like if you just like first person shooters, arcadey shooters. Yeah, then, yeah I, well, I can is, say like as somebody who never really played Halo much as a kid or any much of these arcade shooters. It definitely piqued my interest visually and kind of just, yeah, mostly just visually um, and just the gameplay footage that I did see, how like just fun it looked, just how the overall, uh, you, you can just have a really good time kind of running through it and and just, I, got, I did get those Call of Duty zombie vibes a little bit, like in the sense that if you are playing co-op, you will have that kind of a fun time, just, just you know, mowing down, going through hordes of... Uh, it, if you said it's not horde based, it's like wave based then, or like no, like so you you walk into so you'll do like some platforming, and you'll go through some like linear parts of the level, but then you'll get to a room, and I call them arenas as a game mechanic. They're arenas, like they're they're made in a way for you to. It's a jungle gym, right? Okay, so the setting plays as its own game mechanic essentially. Yeah, Every location. So yeah. So you'll walk into That's a room cool. and all the doors will close and you have um, demons and you have to kill all the demons before the doors open back up again, mm -hmm. right? And you can and it's just a jungle gym for you to use your new mobility mechanics. So from this game, they 
they gave you the double jump right from the start and you have a double dash and you can like rocket jump and grenade jump there's so many mechanics that you can work in to add to your flow state and like make you feel like a badass right as you're traversing and killing and doing all that right so the level so the arenas are set up to maximize that for you to allow you to play around with while you have an arsenal of eight guns each of which have two attachments to dismantle demons as they come in right it's just it's just a playground it's a sandbox for you to carve out and make your perfect creation of destruction it's it's beautiful in a way so i went Mm -hmm. it's it's not like horde based where you have one location and and you have to like keep them in it's like you get put into an arena like a gladiator Mm -hmm. the the caesar or whoever the fuck puts in however many lions and you get through it and then you move on and then you get to the next arena and so on and so forth and each one is it a progression in this within the same i guess like world like in that same arena are you going through like a corridor or like an, into another room to get to another bigger room like kind of like depends on the or? level a lot of levels they'll they'll have one like one level in particular they have a mass it's like with the biggest one they've probably put in and the level revolves around going fighting in this arena doing a loop coming back to it and fighting in it again and then doing another loop come like so it really depends but like these levels and the level designs are based around these arenas that they put in that gotcha. act as the sandbox to just allow you gotcha. to yeah yeah go all out do your thing yeah exactly so um again like they added so many new mechanics and it was really hard to get used to it but once i got used to it got like you were in God, that flow state and you God couldn't damn. get, you couldn't get I, out i know it's <laughs> it, no matter it's how a, much mama cheney called you from upstairs like it's dinner time buddy come on exactly. you're like can't hear you sorry sorry i'm killing demons um it's definitely harder than 2016 but there's a reason for that i found out it's because like i i stuck within the 2016 mechanics too much right this isn't doom 2016 this is doom and turtle right Mm -hmm. you have to use these new mechanics now and i really embrace the new mechanics Mm -hmm. and then the game became more fun again and i was starting to get into the flow state and then it became easier yeah that's a but really get, interesting... Sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. Continue what you were saying. So, like, the yes, they make the game harder, but they also yeah. give you more tools to deal with the difficulty. Yeah. So, it's an it's a natural evolution, you would say, from 2016, the predecessing game. It's a big evolution. I big thought evolution. maybe too big at first, but I okay. can get... It's like it's stretching it. It's at okay. the limit, right? Yeah. That makes me think a little bit about when Call of Duty kind of took that leap into the futuristic era like were you a big call of duty guy growing up i stopped at mw3 stopped at mw3 so you you kind of before i got into the um double jump kind of thing with the exoskeletons you missed out on that yeah i missed out on that and then quite frankly i'm not too sad about that because i don't think those call of duty games they don't they didn't look like i don't know what they were but like <laughs> that's well that's what i was kind of going to get into because you brought up a good point about when video game sequels at least have that progression with game mechanics you know it's not a rehash of that 2016 game doom eternal right like it's not the same game with better graphics with new demons new guns it's a new game it's worth that 80 dollar purchase right it's a whole that new makes game. me yeah that makes me think a little bit about why like you know call of duty 
now what I think is like today's version of the arcade game, you know, like online gaming with your friends and like that kind of just nonchalance of gaming. I don't want to say nonchalance because people take that game very seriously and it's very competitive, but that kind of less serious, less thinking, just very mechanical type of game. It's almost like people are just okay with not changing, not evolving or not, I don't say not getting better, but just not growing as a as a franchise or a game. You get what I'm They're saying? They're okay with the baseline. They're okay with, with yeah. Like it's good now. Okay, let's just do the same thing, but maybe a little bit different. Yeah, and yeah, like I that's I'm I'm kind of tired of it at that point. You know, like I liked this recent Call of Duty game that came out, Modern Warfare. That's the current, I guess, era Call of Duty, which was sick because it took a very realistic approach to warfare uh, game. You know, like, I, I I think people mostly play COD for, like, online gameplay, multiplayer and stuff, but I always loved the fuck out of campaign, the COD campaign, since MW2. That was my first one. Um, and that was, that was just cool because, like, a first-person shooter and just the idea of standing in a war zone and, like, the very diverse war zones that COD takes you in throughout every single game... I always found that appealing. So, like, the COD that is, like, right now, kind of people are playing Modern Warfare, that takes you into a, what today's war is, the kind of gray area of today's war zones and kind of how there's no there's no real clean line between good and bad. Like, good people have to do bad shit sometimes and, you know, that kind of things that are very prominent in movies and stuff now. And it, you know, they, it took them, like, six years to get from... From like Modern Warfare 2 slash Modern Warfare 3, which that's what they were doing, that kind of modern warfare, you know, like they've, they've just made that circle back essentially in the span of eight years, seven years, like, and in that middle time, they, they expanded the mechanics, they added the double jump, they added the exosuits and all these different power ups with specialists. And I, I did enjoy that in multiplayer, you know, I thought all that worked, but the big community of Call of Duty fans was like so against it. And that forced call of duty as a company or a corporation to change back to what what sold right and that just pissed me off about games like i know movies take that approach too like over catering to fans i guess is what i'm saying right um i think why call of duty people were mad about that is because yeah that was it was a evolution of the gameplay but like that wasn't call of duty like so um, that I'll ask you, what is Call of Duty then? What what is it in it's general? Tough to say, I guess? It's it's tough to say. Um, I know certain franchises I think need to keep core mechanics in order mm-hmm. to keep their identity. Mm-hmm. For instance, Halo. Um, I don't think and I don't think you should be allowed to sprint in Halo. I don't. I don't care how convenient it is. The level design and the multiplayer arena shooter like that type of game it requires you to be on even footing as much as possible and like a slight boost in speed that can happen anytime really screws up that arena type shooter game right so that's a core mechanic that within halo if you change that then it changes what halo is Right, and with Call of Duty, it was never really about exoskeletons and double jumping and wall climbing. It was about sort of an arcadey 
cartoonish first person shooter with yeah with um like i guess with kill streaks their biggest thing yeah. is kill streaks kill streaks and, and, and stuff like that right yeah leave yeah. the exoskeleton and, and the, the double jumps and the wall writing to the to the company and to the game that actually invented that Titanfall. right but if you look like i i get what you're saying but if you look in context of the cod like that implemented those right like i was saying like the I think the premise of Call of Duty is before catering to the multiplayer fan base because that's who I think they cater to the most. I think the whole premise of it is let's drop you into war. You know, these milit let's drop you into the position of a soldier who's in a military, any given military. You know, whether you're from playing in the Vietnam War as a black ops soldier to Spetsnaz in Russia, you know, like whatever. And that's the whole premise. That's what attracted me before the idea of playing with my friends and, you know, the idea that this is like a very role-playing game. And they took that from a present day and from a past setting, which was always what they were doing, into the future, you know. And that's such a, just maybe that's my own personal kind of my own interest. Like, I like space. I like sci-fi and thrillers and future and like all those kind of sci-fi things. So I guess that was a huge sell for me initially. So the first game I think that implemented those new mechanics was Advanced Warfare. And like no cap, bro, like the multiplayer of that game is the most fun online multiplayer experience I've had for Call of Duty with my friends that I can remember. Like there's very specific moments I remember playing that game with my friends even till today. And we talk about it like there's a game mode called Uplink when it's like a 2v2 basketball game almost. And like we, me and my friends still like kind of bring that up and like talk about like those were cool game modes that came with the benefit of having a new game mechanic. And I don't really think that necessarily took away from what Call of Duty is. You know, at the end of the day, it's an arcade shooter, first person role playing arcade shooter. So like, I guess like, at the end of the day, all they added was vertical traversal, you know, instead of just going on a 2D plane, now you can go 3D, you can go up and down. So like, why was that so bad? You know, like why, why is that now? Oh, now this is Halo or this is Titanfall. Like I didn't, I never saw that. And I completely disagreed with that kind of criticism. Right. I think people were mad is because they still wanted that. What Call of Duty really excelled at. Um, The boots on the ground, the boots on the ground. Right. Right. Yeah. That. Right. Um, And there were other games out there doing it better than Call of Duty. And Call of Duty was just Mm. sort of riding a trend. Right. Instead of making more, I think you're right about that too. Yeah, I think that like Titanfall had, I remember had come out around that time, so I think it was kind of following that next generation uh, of what what can we do that's new in this next gen and stuff like that. Um, But like when we were talking about Float State, like I remember having like such a great experience playing those kind of games because there was that that extra mechanic added that ability to get into a flow state you know because you create these rhythms you create these moves of traversal and like i appreciate that a lot like more depthful traversal in games especially when it's a big map or a big world like the ability to get to point from point a to point b in a hundred different ways is more interesting than just a handful of ways i'm sure you can agree to that right right i'd agree but like i don't think that belongs in certain games again halo 5 that's fair yeah halo 5 did added a double jump they added Mm -hmm. like a ground slam they added like side to side sprinting and moves and like just dodging and crazy 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 shit that was really fun but it wasn't halo Mm. 
That was so you Halo. said like it would it, it changed the core of game at the end of the day, right? Oh my god, yeah. Like in right. the Halo, I haven't played Halo, Halo 5 so. is regarded as like the worst in terms of like campaign and in terms of like mm. multiplayer because it's not Halo. It's not. How could it be? Halo is like it's it's so like I don't know. It you you can't change too much about the core Halo experience. You can obviously add stuff and like change the sandbox, and that's where Halo succeeded. It's like from one to two to three to Halo Reach, like they just added more to the sandbox, but they kept the core mechanics and the core feeling of like what Halo was all about. So um, when they started like adding Sprint and Halo changed studios to 343 and they just sort of like just like call of duty they started following trends mm-hmm. yeah. and it like led to halo not being halo anymore and now they're kind of reversing that with this new one because they're bringing back the old art style and they're using the old music again and it's like i think they're really trying to go back to um what Their worked old, for them in the past the and i think yeah. call of duty is sort of the same thing now it's they're like, doing the same thing yeah right modern yeah. warfare is more of a core it's more like classic cod yeah call of duty experience exactly yeah it, it's more reminiscent of it's yeah it's more reminiscent of the like black or no like yeah the modern warfare 2 modern warfare 3 black ops days you know before when it was just you know you're killing people to get kill streaks and the kill streaks are cool and you know like but because we're talking about modern warfare 2 like the best Call of Duty campaign, hands down. Like, amazing campaign. Uh, like, it just impressed me so much how they're getting so close to turning these into full-on serials, like movies. It, it's in a lane of its own now, of, like, consuming media. Like, this, I'm, I'm taking games so seriously now as not just, like, an art form, but, like, as a storytelling device. Because, you know, like, movies are one thing, as you can sit here and on a screen, which is essentially 2D, you know, you're just having a very 2D experience when you're watching a movie or a show. But with a game, you're like, you're in it in a, in a, in a very real way. You're making choices or you're in the heat of all those, all, all those kind of things going on. So, and as the kind of technology grows and as storytelling is kind of getting more influential and stuff like video games are just getting so fucking good nowadays. It just gets me so excited. Right. Um, a lot of games, I actually wouldn't even say a lot of games. There's there's some games, Doom Eternal is one of them, that really takes advantage of you being present within the space, if that makes sense. Right? It allows Expand on you, that. What do you mean? In in the physical space or in your video game? So yeah, in the phys like the the physical space that your character in the video game I see. is yeah. in, right? I see. It takes advantage of that because it allows you to express a narrative through your environment where that can only be done so well over a flat screen. Here you have an environment that you can actually traverse and explore and you can explore. see the niches. Yeah. And it's like, okay, why is this like this? Well, actually there's a reason for that. Right. Well, that's and a good huge game part of video that. games. Exactly. They're being able to explore and like, and figure those things out for yourself. You know, it's not spoon fed to you, that kind of exposition. It's, it's much more discoverable, which I like. And that's, that's what I appreciate about video games. Like I don't mind a video game being critically quote unquote, a failure you know as long as you're trying new things or exploring the medium of what a video game can be or what technology how far technology can take you you know so those 
that era of Call of Duty when it when it really went out there. Like I appreciate those games because it expanded where Call of Duty can go or what it can go or like you know that and where that very two dimensional mechanical type of game what it can do you know so I I appreciated those for what it was for sure I guess the way I see it is certain games do things better because they're the ones who developed mm-hmm. the uh, no the I agree I I agree right so there... let Titanfall sort of do the wall carve running. out its own niche in the market let call of duty continue to do call of duty things that call of duty fans like to carve yeah. out a niche in the market and let, let halo do things that they want but because For titanfall sure. that one game that introduced exosuits and like wall running and double jumps into first person shooters since that got so popular and it was the fucking bee's knees for an entire summer every single first person shooter studio it's like okay we'll just do that too because people seem yeah. that was fun it's like no yeah that's fun but your shit's fun too. So keep doing that. Right. And I think that's, but it does create something interesting because now there's these pockets of like Venn diagram games, almost like the stuff that kind of fits in the middle of, of those. Like, so if you look at like Titanfall, it's its own 10 pole of game mechanic. Like it's, it's its own unique game. COD is its own unique game. Halo is its own thing. Right. And then you get games like COD advanced warfare or, or like, black ops 4 infinity or whatever you know take your pick at those games that were critically not great whatever but took a bit of this took a bit of that and you know when like you're in the mood for a call of duty shooter because i in my opinion call of duty has the best shooting mechanics the most satisfying at least like to shoot a gun and to kill people and stuff like that so like if i want to have that feel of shooting and killing in a video game but i want to have a sci-fi adventure like fuck yeah i appreciate that that game exists for me you know rather than having to do the guesswork with titanfall because what if i don't like the shooting in that game or you know there's a bit of like that familiarity i guess in certain cases but then you're again you're right certain games do certain things better so it just like dip your toes into in different ponds i guess kind of try new things out yeah yeah for sure so that was my week Mm -hmm. I don't know about yeah. your week. Yeah, I, I what did I do this week? I there was a lot of I guess we're talking a lot about video games, but there was a lot of video game announcements last week, so I was kind of paying attention to that. Um, I did watch a couple movies. I watched Dog Days Afternoon, which is this classic film from the seventies. Have you heard of that one? I haven't. No. No. Let me just pull up some of the info. Well, that's that film came out in what is it? dog days afternoon yeah that film came out in 1975 so Who's like star stars al pacino and and um what's his name john cazell so like the um fredo from fredo from godfather oh, and, okay uh, give me a rundown yeah. of like what the basic story is yeah, so it's the basic story. It's it's basically uh, Al Pacino and John Cazale's characters. Um, what's his name in the film? Yeah, so Sonny and Sal basically they. It's a heist film. They it starts off and you're in the thick of the action, like pretty much immediately. They're gonna rob a bank, and they're on their way to rob the bank. That's the that's the opening of the movie, right? And you don't get an introduction much on these characters or who they are, why they're robbing the bank in the beginning that, you know how like first act structures usually work is we'll introduce the character, the world, the 
their conflict, whatever, it doesn't take that approach at all. It's just, let's drop you into the, the heist and what would be the first act of a heist film, let's make that the entire movie, you know? So oh. you've seen uh, you've seen Good Time, right? No. Yeah, Is I'm that... not I'm not I'm not well versed in heist movies. No. Okay, I I'm I'm starting to get really into it now. Uh, I think Good Time opened that door up like that gate up wide open. But I think Good Rick Time takes a lot of the me. influence. Yeah. What's that? I think Rick and Morty ruined it for me. Why? Because <laughs> they did an episode on why heist movies are stupid. Oh man, they probably like they probably tore that up. Then they <laughs> tore them apart. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll send you the episode after. Yeah, yeah, do do that. But this this was cool because it's a classic. It was like it's super classic Hollywood, and uh, it's directed by Sidney Lumet, and it's it makes me want to get into more of his movies. And it's like it's old school Al Pacino. I think before he made Godfather or like before he like really blew up with those movies. And um, I really it, I really like these kind of small and contained stories that you know slowly by slowly you pull a thread. And it unravels more and more and more. So like I was saying, it doesn't give you everything about these characters. You you know, you assume they're bad guys because they're robbing a bank, but then these small little pieces of info just get thrown at you, like, oh, they, they fought in the Vietnam War. And then it'll just give you that. So all you have information now is two guys robbing a bank and they fought in the Vietnam War together. So now you're like, oh what you know, you make these connections in your head, like maybe they were, you know, like I don't know, you just kind of connect the story from from that point to here like it allows the viewer to connect the dots and it makes the viewer feel, feel smart exactly right? yeah yeah well and, but it's not it's not like pretentious in the way like oh you you know we're gonna make you feel smart it's really just allowing the viewer to actively participate in the film right it it's, allows the viewer to yeah it engages the viewer and then when um in, yeah yeah when they are correct in their assumptions because it gives you enough clues over time yeah, allows- but there's no valid. That was the beautiful thing about it. There's no validation. There's no like, oh, you were right about your theory or how you think. That's why I think if you watch the movie, I'm sure you'll have a way different interpretation than me. You'll right, have a different story in your head. And like, yeah, that's the beautiful thing is like the story is almost unique to the to the viewer or to the audience, which is really cool. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it it sort of like allows it to flow naturally within within the story itself. It's not like Snowpiercer that takes times to, to pause and be like, Oh my God, no way. <laughs> right. It just allows it to flow naturally because to these characters, it's natural. Yeah. Right. Well, so, you, well, you brought up, well, you brought up a little bit of our main discussion and I, I'll, I'm eager to see what your gripe with Snowpiercer was. So let's, oh, let's transition. Plenty. Yeah. Let's, let's transition into our main okay. discussion now. So yeah, I'll Do just say what the title of that movie was. What's that? Oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no. So that that movie I was just talking about was called Dog Days Afternoon. For those who were interested, and stars Al Pacino and directed by Sidney Lumet. So whoever's interested in like classic Hollywood films and good heist movies, good small contained kind of thrillers, like that was a really good one that I liked. Where can people um, find yeah, it? I well, I had the DVD actually, so I don't know where people can find it. I would suggest the good old Google. Google. Yeah. I, I yeah it. I I was like going through my old collection of DVDs and appreciating the material physical copy of movies that is now underappreciated you know I've missed that I actually don't know where any of our DVDs went I think we got rid of them all which yeah is man sad. I it's sad I know and it 
That's what. That's another thing of those like early two thousand times, like going out and buying movies, but hard copy discs and cases. Yeah, we had an OG funny collection. <laughs> that's what that you have. That that's the one that you have. I think. Or are we? I don't know. I don't even know. Wait, I'm sure there's somewhere around here. It'd be a fucking nostalgia trip, I tell you. Yeah. Anyways, oh, for sure. Uh, just to see the cover, yeah. You know what the first? That. You know what Go the ahead. first? Sorry, I just before we get into the main yeah. discussion, just a small tidbit. You know what the first movie I ever bought? Not like me personally, but like my family. We what we bought was when we bought a DVD player. No it idea. was the original Batman with Adam West. So the 1960s Batman TV show that they converted into a movie. If you've ever seen a bit of that or anything of that on YouTube or stuff, it's so fucking hilarious, bro. It's like the campiest shit of like all times. That's a great one. That's a great. Yeah, I know. I know of it. I've seen. Yeah. In fact, I'm I sure. used to. I used to watch 